every night, I dream the same dream. So today, I have a guest with me. I have Mr. Zane Thomas from Shatter the Glass. He's sitting right to my right, just as he was maybe a couple of nights ago when we saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I'll take a quick hi. Hi to everyone. Zane waves at the camera as well. We have a live audience today, or we will. And uh, today's content day. So we're each going in on each other's podcast, and we're going to... We're going to talk about the Multiverse of Madness on mine. So, Zane, without further ado, please, give me, like, what, this movie was huge, it was messy, it was all over the place, it was awesome. Where are you at with Doctor Strange and in the Multiverse of Madness? Well, first of all, Brem, thank you very much for having me on Comic Book Movie Guide, the podcast, again. It's always a pleasure to be on here discussing fun things like this with you. And, um kind of alluded to this earlier with you off air but I want to say this on air to make it official I think Doctor Strange the character Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange is officially my new favorite character in the whole MCU Hmm. a bold statement I like that he was great wasn't he he was awesome in, in many, many ways. I think I just love his voice, how baritone it is, and watching it in the IMAX theater like we did, it just resonates. I love it. It was just, it, it just sold me on so many levels. Yeah, I mean, and I tip my cap to Sam Raimi at that point because he has a way of taking his heroes and making them, like making you root for them. 
I think of Tobey Maguire in his trilogy uh, with Sam Raimi and just how much you were rooting for that guy. And that's what I felt with Doctor Strange. Like his protagonist is always the key. And Doctor Strange was the key in all of this. And just so we're clear, like, are we worrying about spoilers for this episode, Brem? Ah, no. I mean, we're, we're almost two weeks. It's, it's two weeks yesterday since this thing was released. So if you haven't seen it, you know, I, I understand. But there will be spoilers in this episode. Isn't it kind of funny? Do you feel this way when you go see a new movie that's as anticipated as this one? When we saw it on the Tuesday that we did, even though it had already been out for like a week, it still felt like opening night to me. Did that feel the same to you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, usually, I usually go to the movies that opening weekend. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was weird for me to wait until the Tuesday because it was the Tuesday after, so like a week and a half almost since it was dropped. So number one for me, hard to avoid spoilers. Um, I did, I was able to, but also it felt like opening night. And I think that's a, that was an attest, that was a testament to the crowd that was there that night too. It was pretty packed, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually. And unfortunately with the time of which we got there, they already had the seats reserved and we, we had like front row seats to that giant IMAX screen, (laughs) but it actually wasn't that bad because we could, with those seats that are in IMAX, yeah. At Silver City there, or is it called Silver City? Scotiabank Theater in, in Scotiabank. Yeah, yeah. West Edmonton Mall there. And and the, the seats could recline so far back. It was just so comfortable. It was very comfortable. It was a little bit overstimulating at first because it was so close and like the sound was so loud. But it was also like it was it was a new experience for me because I've never number one, I haven't seen IMAX in a really long time. And when I do, I never sit that close. And it was a unique experience. Like, I felt like I was in that movie to a certain degree. Yeah, although I don't know how much I actually do like 3D itself. I think it just kind of messes with my eyes. It's, it seems blurry, no matter how much you concentrate or how you look at it. It always feels blurry to me, glasses on or not. And I don't know, it just kind of messes with my head a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's completely fair. I think when I watch 3D, I think of the fact that the studio only filmed like a quarter of it in 3D. So the rest of it, you're, you're watching it through these glasses that it doesn't even make sense you're wearing them. Oh, is that right? Like only certain parts are filmed in 3D, mm. but they list the whole movie as 3D. So you go in with the big glasses and everything. Yeah. You know what I liked best about that movie though? Sure. Was some of the terror elements and, and the shots of Scarlet Witch, like when she's all bloody and she's like chasing people mm-hmm. and doing sinister things, that really mirrored that of a horror movie to me. So I get it when they said that Multiverse of Madness is kind of like a horror movie. It wasn't like scary to that extent, it no. had its, but it has jump scenes and it had iconic shots of like the typical villain or the typical... Um, monster that's being cha- that's chasing the good people in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was filmed like a horror movie, mm-hmm. like in the style of a horror horror film. And I thought that that was really interesting because Sam Raimi, he when he takes on a film like this, you would think that it would be kind of lighthearted, similar to his Spider-Man movies, because 
while those have scary elements in them and horror elements in them, it's also still cartoony and campy. And I thought, oof, this is a real opportunity for Doctor Strange to become quite campy. And it was the opposite. He was very, it was very grounded and like, very like, Doctor Strange knew who he was in this movie. And he also like, they dealt with a real conflict in the multiverse, right? The America Chavez thing didn't really work for me. We, we can talk about what didn't work, what did work. But ultimately, this was Doctor Strange's movie. And Sam Raimi made that perfectly clear. But what he was also able to do in the process was take Scarlet Witch and make her into a horror caliber villain. And that was really cool for me. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, it was a side that you don't really see with Wanda. You obviously got introduced to her in Age of Ultron as a villain, but you could always see from the get-go that she was conflicted. So she wasn't like a full-bore type of villain that was sinister as hell. And we saw some sinister stuff in this movie with her and the things that she did and stuff. And it was such an interesting parallel. It was. It was. I think that even Raimi used some horror movie um, nods. Like, I really got images of the movie Carrie, where she's drenched in the pink blood. Have you ever seen Carrie? Yeah. yeah. You know? And I I really got that with the blood leaking down uh, Wanda's face while she was chasing them, you know? And just kind of her stiffness of her body when she ran after them and stuff. That's bold for Marvel's standards, because I've never really seen a shot like that with that much blood. Or that much, like, hatred and evil. (laughs) Even her kills, they were quite evil. They were brutal. They were sinister, right? Like, she was crushing skulls. She was snapping necks, you know? Like, it was was violent. There was violence there, right? Um, And that's where this movie excels for me, actually, is the violence. Which is funny, because... I I thought that that was a really cool turn for Marvel to take. Like, let the director do his thing. I would prefer to see that. And even in Spider-Man No Way Home, it was the same sort of violence. Like, Peter's, like, actually throwing down on the goblin at the end and stuff. You know, he's trying to stab him with the glider. Like, Marvel is kind of, they're pushing towards that a little bit, and I like to see that. I think they're specifically trying to do that with their shakeup and now having people, like, Deadpool in their universe who they've kind of come out and said we're going to keep it R-rated yeah so maybe this is their way of trying to somewhat ease into a transition of more mature content Mm -hmm. I could I could certainly see that and I think that the X-Men are going to bring that content we're going to see more of that in the future it's funny I I saw the other day uh this post about the Infinity Saga and how it's like super well done Everything's tied together and nothing will ever come to that again. And that's true. Like, it's okay for Marvel to, like, have this next phase that they're doing and not have all of the really intricate, woven timelines. I really don't, I I don't think that that's something that Marvel needs all the time. And they're proving that. Well, it's like we talked about on the way home from that movie, you, me, and Randy, and Tyrell. Yeah. I like movies of Marvel back in the day that were just 
their own thing. Like the Tobey Maguire films. He was never connected to Avengers or this giant universe. He was always in his own universe as Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, Peter Parker. Yeah. And that was it. There wasn't any else, anything else. Yeah. I, I like that more so. I feel like, and I, I, think, I can't remember if it was you or Andy that touched up on this, but you said how when you have all this intricate detail and all these different paths connected to one another, you're going to have plot holes. Yeah. And it's going to be hard to keep up with. You're, it's almost like too much yeah. moving forward. And I'm starting to get that sense. Like there's too much going on for me personally. This is, uh, this is actually what I was hoping we would lead into today. And it's, it's just, do you know what the secret wars are? Um, I have an idea, but not really. Please enlighten me. Well, this is like the next level event that Marvel's going to do, right? The end game level event. That's what they're planning is secret wars. And what it is, is it's multiple heroes from multiple timelines fighting as a collective cause or fighting each other even in comics. That's what they're going to set up here. So like, I said this for Multiverse of Madness. Clearly, I was way off. Like, they're not quite there yet. But I was like, if I see Hugh Jackman and Tobey Maguire fighting alongside each other, right? That's what we're going to get in Secret Wars. Is I, I think they're pushing to sort of bring us any and all Marvel content that was ever released, ever, all in one movie. That's what Secret Wars could bring us. Anything and everything, any character is fair game. Like anything down to like Eric Bana's Hulk. Like we could see that. We could see multiple versions of these characters all in one movie. Does that, does that, does that even interest you? Does that intrigue you? Does that sound like way too much? It intrigues me, but my question honestly is why? Like what's the purpose of that? Like, I understand the nostalgia behind it, and I like seeing those characters now mm. in, in a different form. That would be kind of cool, but it's just, like I've said before, Nostalgia Alley. That's all it is. It's not really, is it really contributing to something? Not necessarily. It's, it's all just kind of recycled material. Yeah. It's almost, it's in a way, it's kind of a lazy way of, of just throwing something out there that's going to probably get huge hits for the box office, and that's really about it. I mean, I don't deny that they're going to obviously do a great story because they always do. But again, it just feels recycled. And it's just, it's like trying to reproduce a Disney, a Disney film that was a classic as its own back in the day. Why remake it? Make a new thing. Make something brand new. Make a whole new superhero. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Like, or recast somebody. Like, it's good to see new, new versions. Yeah. You know, we saw Robert Downey Jr. and Steve Rogers in their respective roles. We had our opinions on them when they first got introduced. Look where that led us. They're, they're legends. We love them. That's all we vision, in, envision as, as those characters. And I saw something interesting with Ethan Hawke this morning. Okay. He was being interviewed, and he was just saying how uh, he misses back in the day when movies weren't so closely analyzed. They were kind of just taken for what they were. Hmm. You know, they weren't always being compared to something else, like with the Dark Knight series, for example. Yeah. He just liked how each series, each movie was its own thing and you could appreciate it and take that for what it is and have your own perspective and view on it and just ex appreciate it because that's what art is. Yeah. You know, but when you're sitting there trying to compare everything all together, it doesn't always translate as something special. It just becomes like this, this global kind of phenomenon that that's 
almost overrated in a way. It's hard. It takes away from the real the realism of it. Hmm. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And isn't that correct too? Like, in my opinion, he didn't miss words there. Like that's that's essentially how I feel. You know, like why does everything have to be so connected? Just because the like, I wish this is what I truly wish, and I know it's not going to happen, and I know it's just you know, Marvel being Marvel and they're going to continue to do what they're doing. But what I truly wish is that Marvel would have come out with a statement after the Infinity Saga and just said, listen, this was a, this was a thing. We did this. It's a huge achievement. Have it. But now this is what we're going to do in the future. And it's not all going to be connected. We just want to do, you know, like how cool would that be if they could just switch to like solo films, which is kind of like, let's be honest, besides like, the end of some of these movies, like you and I haven't really kept up with Marvel content. Like lately, like Shang-Chi or like, you know, like we, we don't, we just haven't Mm -mm. that much. And that's because like when you and I watch stuff, it has to interest us. Like we're not going to go to a Marvel movie just because it's a Marvel movie. And I've never felt that way about Marvel, but when the Infinity Saga was going, I kind of did feel that way about Marvel. So that's what's changed for me. The big part about it is Marvel's doing more solo movies, but I don't care. I think the problem that I have with all this multiverse stuff and, and all the connections to be made with it all, bless you, Stella. <laughs> yeah, St- my, my dog Stella, she just had a, a huge sneeze. Oh, now she's yawning. <laughs> Anyways. I guess my, my, my biggest issue really is um, when you have all this stuff interconnected, take Iron Man's death at the end of Endgame, for example. Okay. That was powerful as hell. Yeah. And it meant something substantial. Oh, yeah. Now that you had this multiverse introduced and with the Doctor Strange movie and seeing how there are multiple versions of every superhero... In that same universe as Endgame. Mm-hmm. That totally, in my opinion, undermines Tony Stark's sacrifice. Because there's another, there's a, there's another him out there. Mm. So, okay, well, he's just, he's a, he's a Tony Stark in a long line of Tony Starks now. It just, to me, it took away the meaning and the, and the impact of, of what he did at the end, which was awesome. It just, I didn't like that. That's the risk. Yeah, I, I. that's the risk when you do multiverse stuff. No, knowing that at any point you could probably be revived. Like, yeah. literally. Yeah, and we, we talked about plot holes too. And like, that was one of the things we had mentioned. Like, okay, so Doctor Strange, there's many variants of him. But then with Spider-Man, he's, he's a different version. Like, he's Toby, he's Andrew. I think you actually brought that up after, right? It was like, Andrew and Toby are... Or maybe Randy said that. I can't remember. We were all just it was throwing out ideas, right? Yeah. And it was like, if if P- Peter Parker's variant is Andrew Garfield and Peter Parker's variant is Tobey Maguire, how come Doctor Strange's variant is Benedict Cumberbatch and then Benedict Cumberbatch and then dead Benedict Cumberbatch? Yep. Like, that's a bit <laughs> of a plot hole. It is. Um, so it leads me to, like, ask the the question is, like, so now we've seen Reed Richards, 
Like, let's talk about those cameos. Like, the Illuminati. Like, where are you at with the Illuminati? Because in the comics, the Illuminati is just the best. It's the best concept, right? Smartest man in the world in Reed Richards. And Black Bolt from the Inhumans. Like, meh. <laughs> you know, like, that was... The Illuminati can consist of different people in the comics. And I wouldn't have chosen Black Bolt from the Inhumans. You know, he was kind of lame, like just opened his mouth and is able to talk and like blow people up and stuff like that way. But the thing that I have to laugh about is Mordo literally says, he's like, Reed Richards, the smartest man alive, right? Reed Richards completely screwed over the Illuminati by telling them, telling Scarlet Witch exactly how to defeat Black Bolt by explaining to her the exact content or context of his powers to the letter he's like you know black bolt he can do this with a simple whisper of his mouth and she's like what mouth and then takes away black bolt's mouth that's not something the smartest man alive would do yeah no kidding proceeds to attack her full force and wouldn't the smartest man alive have a version of wanda for seeing this upcoming threat well, that's a good point to bring up, but I counter you this. When he says, be careful, he has the most whatever mouth could kill somebody with a single word. I think he, because he's not aware of Wanda and what she, what she can do. So that's like, a, that's like a threat for her to stand down, assuming that she's a lesser being than Black Bolt. He thinks that Black Bolt's the most powerful and could topple anybody in the room mm. he's not aware of how powerful scarlet witch is yeah that's a good point that's a very good point i <laughs> this is interesting <laughs> because i come out on the topic that or i come out in this area where i think reed richards the version of reed richards that we're gonna get in the mcu is very different from what we saw in Multiverse of Madness and the Illuminati. Yeah, you can't go with that. Like they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, that wouldn't be like a spoiler because like it just, it's just too soon to do that. They're going to do Fantastic Four. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Krasinski's not going to be Reed Richards. Maybe he's just a variant and, and that's all we kind of get of him. I, I don't see at this point how you don't cast him because he looked awesome. Yeah, he looked really good. But uh, we don't really know yet, and that's that's got to be like a prototype of some kind. It's not like the final product with him. Yeah. I will say this. I wasn't underwhelmed by the cameos, but I was expecting more. That's just how I feel. Well, we thought we would still probably see S Tobey Maguire, right? Yes, absolutely. I, I thought... What a perfect opportunity to bring in Tobey Maguire again. Yeah. Tom Cruise in a variant of Iron Man? Yeah, that was the other big one, was Tom Cruise as uh, Superior Iron Man. Didn't see that, but they had... So those drones, I thought they were going to be Superior Iron Man's drones because they looked like they had the exact sort of outline and look of what Superior Iron Man's drones look like in the comics but they were Ultron drones. Yeah, so that's still a calling back to Tony Stark in that 
they're assuming in that universe, Ultron worked out the original idea for Tony Stark to have like a legion of robots gotcha. protecting the world. So okay. that's where that's a universe where that worked instead of producing that Dino or not Dino, but that uh, Death Killing Machine with the Lisp there right, <laughs> in, right, in right. Ultron. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense too. It's funny, I'm raising all these concerns when you're answering them. You're like, <laughs> well, no, it's actually this. Okay, yeah, no, I agree. And sorry, I just, I just came with a lot of ammunition today. No, that's good. I like <laughs> a, I like a fully loaded gun. <laughs> that's that's great. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was the third act of this movie because that's where, in my opinion, uh, it's it's quite messy. It's quite messy. Like that evil, like that dead Doctor Strange wasn't great for me. The CGI, you know, how he's kind of missing part of his face. He had a lot of lines, like a lot of lines. Too many, in fact. And he made a lot of weird noises, you know? Yeah. I, besides the spirits sort of forming his Doctor Strange cape, didn't do it for me. Didn't tickle my fancy. I like where where were you in that? Like how did you feel about what they did with dead Doctor Strange? How he dreamwalked essentially. Well, I mean, the movie was already like a a big platter of different goodies, <laughs> yeah. so to speak. Like you know when you when you go to someone's house on New Year's Eve or something and you have just a bunch of hors d'oeuvres and a variety of different things. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we got with this movie, and yeah. that was just kind of like the. Uh, what's that? What's that one? What is what does uh, Jonah Hill say in the James Franco roast? The feast de la resistance. Or, the feast de resistance. Yeah, like that was like potentially kind of the the, the big cajone of this of the movie. Like they had to just finish off with. Yeah. You know, I knew when they were introducing that variant of Doctor Strange in the beginning, who died, that you were gonna probably see something kind of ironic and presumably supposed to be funny. It was yeah. spoke, like, but I didn't find it funny. I found it kind of creepy and weird, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I think it was a little much. I agree. It was, uh, I could see why the studio, I, I mean, there were rumors that the studio wasn't sure about this, about this one, about the CGI, about everything. Cause like when I heard Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness was coming, like they were going to film that. My brain went everywhere, like, holy, you know, like multiverse is in the title. Like, we're going to see everything, right? And I think everybody's expectations just skyrocket when multiverse is in the title because that means that there's multiple different things that we can see. And I don't know if my, I don't know if I was fully satisfied when I watched it. I really, like, it also, you talked about how Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange is now like, he's up there for you as one of your favorite Marvel, if not your favorite Marvel character that's currently present in the timeline. I think that's the same as me. I think Doctor Strange is also like my number one guy. And behind that is Spider-Man. Do you remember years ago, years ago, like I'm talking maybe 2017, 2018 like right when the right when infinity war was coming out and endgame was coming out and then there was information from the studio that came out that said doctor strange and spider-man are going to be the new leads of the avengers and you and i were like what 
you know, like that makes no sense. Like these two are so minor. It just doesn't make sense for them to like take over the MCU. But now it seems almost realistic that those are their two top priorities. And I don't know how I feel about that. Well, I mean, when that was introduced, I think that was pre uh, premature to say such a claim when we heard it back then, because both those characters weren't fully developed yet. We, we didn't see what we see now. They, yeah. they had to go through that growth, that journey to get to the point where, okay, you guys are believable now to the point where you guys can totally be leaders. Yeah. So I, I can picture nothing else, but a mature Peter Parker now, a mature Stephen Strange leading Avengers. Cause that's what I saw in both of their last two movies. You yeah. sold, you, you sold me. I'm on board. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm also on board. I just, I really think it's DC's time to shine. Good point. I just think it's that time. It's okay yeah. for like different things to shine at different times. Like I heard that the test screening for the flash was incredible. Like I heard nothing but positive things come out of there. It's sitting at two hours and a half right now, like two and a half hours. I mean, Marvel's messy. That's my quote of the day on this. It's truly how I feel. Marvel's messy and that's okay. Nobody, you know, it's just Marvel and they're allowed to be messy because they've completed such a, such a great sort of achievement with their first step, their first phase of all of this. But now we're in the messy stage and I just think that we need to have some distinct movies that have their own style. And I hope that we see that. I really, really do. I hope we get some color and some grit from Marvel, but it's DC's time to shine in the light. That's just how I feel. I have to agree with you on that for sure. You made a really good point. Like really like the movie that we saw recently, Multiverse of Badness. I liked it personally. And I know you liked it too, to an extent. I did. But um, it also kind of represents exactly what you said. Marvel's a little bit messy right now. Like it's just, they're all over the map. Yeah. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is also kind of a representation that, okay, we've been riding this bike across many blocks for a long time. It's time to get off and have a rest and maybe try a new bike. Yeah. Yeah. And like, listen, Doctor Strange is not, he's never going to be my superhero that I go to the movies and I'm like, you know, this is like, this is what I've been waiting for, you know? But at the same time, what does Marvel have coming out? Like in the near future, like recent movies that we know is coming out that I'm excited for. I'll be honest with you. Like to clarify my, my Doctor Strange thing, like we, well, yes, he's one of my favorites now. Um, my originals, my go-tos were always, you know, Iron Man, like Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Or Chris Evans, Captain America. Those were my two guys where I went to the theater for those two guys. Yeah, I did too, actually. <laughs> Mostly Captain America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not disappointed. I'm just trying to wrap my head around it all. Yeah, no, of course. That <laughs> makes know? a lot of sense. And, and I'm not like this, like 
crazy movie critic here. I'm just telling you my opinion on how I feel about it. You know, everybody's got their opinion on movies and what whatnot. So let's just just get to discuss once in a while. You know. Yeah, and let's and let's be honest. It was a good movie. It was. It was. Yeah. And that's that's what's important is it was a good movie and it was a director's vision from start to finish. Mm-hmm. I've been doing about half an hour episodes lately. I don't have much more to say about this movie. Where are you sitting right now? Is there anything you wanted to talk about for the last, you know, however much time or should I wrap this thing up and let's move on? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty content other than just how delicious those cookies were. In the IMAX theater, we smuggled yes. some chocolate chip cookies in for that movie, and they were quite delectable. Tara, Boston's girlfriend, she cooked the cookies prior... Like, they were still warm in that bag. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Tara. Yes. And thank you to my listeners. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thanks, Zane, for joining me here. And I look forward to doing more movie reviews with you in the future because this is that's what this episode was is it's a review and i wanted to talk to you because you saw it with me and yeah well uh brem thanks again i appreciate that and me and tyrell actually were just talking the other day just how much of a pleasure it is to listen to you and how in-depth you are with your analysis because you know i i consider you like like a an expert in my opinion like you're one of the experts when it comes to movies and stuff because you you understand what goes into the process. You understand every angle, every shot, every technique. You you are well versed, you know. So, you know, it's a, it's good to have a source like that to kind of rely on for information because I'm as big as a fan as you are with a lot of these movies. So, to have that source to go to and anybody else who wants those kind of sources for movies and superheroes and whatnot, you should check out Comic Book Movie Guy. That's just my opinion. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for those kind words. I appreciate that. I appreciate all my listeners, and I appreciate the live audience. One last goodbye from us here. I've been Comic Book Movie Guy. This has been a lot of fun. We'll talk to you guys next time. Take care. I'm Comic Book Movie Guy. Black Bolt could destroy you with one whisper from his mouth. What mouth? <laughs>